Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. The following message is an archive teaching by Dr. Forrest titled, Hear and Obey. Well, this morning we're going to continue a theme that we began last Sunday, and the theme is learning to hear and obey the voice of the Lord. Now, we hear a lot of preachers and teachers, as I said last week, that exhort us to learn to hear the word of the Lord in our lives. On an everyday basis, we need to learn to hear the voice of God's Spirit. And I'm one of those preachers. But equally important is to learn to hear and then obey. Many times when we hear His voice, we need to be instantly obedient. It can mean the difference between sickness and healing, poverty and prosperity, success and failure. It can even mean the difference between life and death to be instantly obedient to the voice of God's Spirit. It can save your life. Now, the classic example that I referred to last week, the example of obedience was was given to us by the Word of God before He became flesh. That is, Jesus, when He was with God in eternity, before He took on flesh, He was called the Word of God. Keep that in mind as we read from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4 through 7. It says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now, in this passage from Hebrews, it's important to realize that the writer was quoting Psalm 40. And when you read the whole thing in context, the point that the writer was making becomes crystal clear. Let's read from Psalm 40, verse 5 through 8. This fills in a few more details that are crucial to understanding the point that the writer of the Hebrews was making. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Now there's another place in Psalm 139 that says almost the exact same verbiage. And the writer of the Psalms says, God is literally streaming his thoughts and his plans and his words toward us 24-7. For the sight and sound generation, God is live streaming to you 24-7. Amen? And I've used this example many times because it is so instructive on how we can learn to hear from God. I talk about the example of radio waves and television waves. This room, whether you realize it or not, is being bathed in electromagnetic radiation. And if you had the right kind of receiver, you could hear the words that were being spoken and you could see the images. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God, if you're born again, spirit-filled, God has put a receiver on the inside of you that is able to hear from Him. You can start in your quest to hear from God by believing that. A lot of people say to me, I never hear the word of the Lord. God never speaks to me. And I always say the same thing. God is always speaking to you. All you have to do is learn to listen. Tune into the right frequency. Find the right wavelength. And you'll start catching more of these thoughts and plans. I remember when I first read this in the way that I caught the import of the verse. Now, I had read it hundreds of times before. But the first time I read it, 
and I realized the gravity of what was being said, I said to the Lord, just like this, I said out loud, I said, Lord, if this is true, if you're streaming thoughts and plans and purposes toward me 24-7, I have to admit, I'm missing a lot. Teach me, Lord, to catch all of these thoughts, as many as possible, so that I can walk the path that you laid out for me, so I can run the race that you set before me, so I can finish my course with joy, like the Apostle Paul said. So it's one thing to learn to hear the voice of God. It's quite another to hear and obey. So let's continue. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears Hast thou opened? So, right after the passage or the scripture that I just read that talks about God streaming thoughts and plans and purposes toward us 24 7, the very first thing that this person being addressed here in the Psalms, the very first thing he says is, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears hast thou opened. In other words, I realize you're not interested in what I can give you and what I can do for you as much as you're interested in me hearing and obeying your voice. After I heard your voice, after my ears were open, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Now, this person being addressed prophetically here in the book of Psalms and in the book of Hebrews is the word of God who existed with God throughout eternity. And when the fullness of time came, he heard from the spirit, it's time for you to go to earth and become a man, live a life of complete humility and obedience, and then sacrifice your life for the sin of all mankind to be the savior of the world. And when it was time for that part of the plan to be activated, the scripture tells us that the word of God heard and was obedient and came to the earth and became one of us and lived the life of a man. Amen. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So here Paul tells us that Jesus Christ of Nazareth lived a life of humble obedience. And when the time was right, he was obedient to the point of death in order that he might fulfill the divine call of God on his life. Amen? Is there anybody in here who does not want to fulfill the divine call of God on your life? I don't meet many people like that. If you're a serious believer, everybody's on the same page. I want to do what God called me to do. I want to be the the man that God called me to be, and I want to do the thing that he called me to do. If you're a serious believer, that is common to all of us. Amen? And the prime example is Jesus Christ our Lord. I think he set the bar pretty high, but we would do well to follow his example, to live a life of obedience. His entire life was obedient to the Lord. 33 and a half years, he lived obedient to the Lord to the point that the last instructions he received from the Lord when he was on planet Earth was, now's the time to give your life for the people of the world. And he was obedient to those instructions. Now, he did everything he could to fulfill that plan. And at the end of his life, when he was hanging on the cross, when he couldn't do anything more in his physical body, he placed his eternal future into the hands of God the Father himself. He said, Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit. And he breathed out the breath of God, and his spirit left his body. 
It was all up to God after that. He did everything he could do in his human form. And then he gave up his life to the Lord and said, It's all up to you now, Lord. If I'm going to be raised, it's going to be by the power of God. And I trust that I will be. As I said, I think Jesus has set the bar pretty high and we would do well to follow his example. We need to establish a lifestyle that consistently hears and obeys the voice of the Lord if we're going to fulfill the divine call of God on our life. Amen? So I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk about hearing and obeying and some of the different ways that God speaks to us concerning direction in our lives. We're going to use examples from the Bible that when we break it down are going to become familiar to you, and you're going to realize that the Lord has been leading you sometimes when you weren't even aware of it. Amen? The first example comes from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 in Hebrews eleven eight. When Abraham was 75 years old, he was told by God to leave the only country that he knew and go in a certain direction. And the Bible says he left by faith, not really knowing where he would end up. Now, there's three things I believe we can learn from the example of Abraham. Most of us are familiar with the story. If you hadn't read the story, go to Genesis chapter 12 and read the entire thing. The number one thing I want you to see here is Abraham was 75 years old when God spoke this life-changing word into his life. So it's never too late to learn to hear the voice of God. It's never too late, even if you think you missed it earlier in life. If you're older, you can still hear and obey, and you can still fulfill the plan of God for your life. Amen? Number two, many times God will ask us to head in a certain direction, even though we don't know how everything's going to work out. You know, I actually think this is the norm and not the exception. I believe God will give you a vision of what you can be if you follow his plan for your life. But to get from where you are now to where he sees you in him, you have to follow his directions. You have to hear and obey. You have to take the steps that he tells you to take. And as you take those steps one by one, one day, if you practice a lifetime of obedience, you'll look back and you'll be able to say like the Apostle Paul, I finished my race. I finished my course with joy. I did exactly what God called me to do. I became the man God called me to be, and I reached the people God called me to reach. Amen? Because of Abraham's obedience, the plan of redemption that had been in the heart of God before time itself began was set into motion. Amen? It wasn't a lightweight thing when the the father said to Abraham, I want you to go. And he said, okay, I'm going, but I don't know where I'm going. He was looking for a man that was obedient. And it started the plan of redemption in motion. Abraham became the father of the Hebrew people, which became the nation of Israel. And out of the nation of Israel came the word of God and the son of God, Jesus Christ the righteous. So again, I say it was not a lightweight thing that Abraham took that first step, even though he didn't know where he was going to end up. And the whole world was blessed as a result of the faith of Abraham. Number two. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 24, and also 26, verse 19, near the end of his public ministry, the Apostle Paul was told by the Spirit of God to head to Jerusalem, knowing that, quote-unquote, bonds and affliction waited for him there. How'd you like to have a call of God on your life like that? I want you to go into a certain city, and they're going to throw you into prison. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. I want you to be ready for it, but they're going to throw you into prison. He obeyed nevertheless, and things were set in motion in Jerusalem that eventually sent him to Rome, which was his ultimate destination. Amen? So there's 
Three things we can learn from this example. Number one, sometimes God will send you to a certain place knowing that you'll encounter trouble when you get there. Knowing that you will encounter resistance when you get there. Listen, hear the word of the Lord to every person in this room. Just because you encounter resistance doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. More often than not, it probably means you're right smack dab in the middle of what God called you to do. Learn to fight the good fight of faith. Listen, choosing a path where you think you don't have to fight is not the answer because I promise you, no matter what path you go down, there will be fights that you have to fight. And the good fight of faith is a fight that you win in the name of Jesus. It doesn't mean that every day is going to be a fight. But it does mean that there will be seasons in your life where God will tell you to go a certain way and you will encounter resistance and you're going to have to fight your way through it in Jesus' name. Amen? Number two, sometimes God will send you to one place to set things in motion so he can take you to your ultimate destination. Paul went to Jerusalem, was thrown in jail, eventually appealed unto Caesar, and because of that, he ended up in Rome, which is what God wanted him to do all along. So sometimes God will send you one place so he can get you to another place. Amen? And lastly, number three, sometimes troubled times can be very productive times. Paul ended up in a Roman prison for at least two years. And while he was in prison, he wrote four of his 13 epistles. He wrote the book of Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and the letter to Philemon. One-fourth of all the New Testament epistles that he wrote were done and accomplished while he was in prison. So sometimes times of trouble can be very productive. If you'll stand and fight, the word of the Lord will go forth anyway. Amen? Number three, Genesis chapter 22, Abraham again. There's so much we can learn from the life of Abraham, but I can only touch on a few things. This one really blesses me. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 19, Abraham was told to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, even though he was the seed through whom the promise of God was to come. Amen? Even though he was the key, he was the son of promise. Through him, God said, I'm going to make your descendants more than the stars in the night sky, more than the sand on the seashore, more than the dust you kick up when you walk in the desert. I'm going to make your descendants like that, and they're all going to come through Isaac. And then God said, I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to kill him. I want you to drive a knife into his heart and offer him as a sacrifice unto me. Just think about that. If somebody asked you to give the life of your only begotten son, think about how you would feel. Listen, these Bible heroes of the faith, they were human beings. You got to know he was, he was churning on the inside. Lord, you mean Isaac, my only son? You want me to take him and offer him as a sacrifice? And even though he didn't understand it all, he chose to obey. Over there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, he saw in a figure that even if he went through with it, he believed God would raise him from the dead because he was the son of promise. So he worked through it mentally and he decided, you know what? I'm going to go down this road as far as I need to. And even if I go through with it, I believe God's going to raise my son from the dead because he's the son of promise. Think about the faith of that man who was not born again. He was not filled with the spirit. He didn't have the tools that we have today. And he was able to muster that kind of faith. No wonder he was a special man in the eyes of God. So number one thing we can learn, three things we can learn for this. Number one, sometimes 
God will lead us down a path which seems to be contrary. It seems to be taking us further away from the dream that we know that God put into our hearts. That's when we need to be obedient and trust him like never before. Just be obedient. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. This seems like it's going to kill my dream. But I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to be obedient. It's time to trust and obey. Number two, there may come a time in our lives when we need to be just like Abraham and be willing to plunge a knife into the heart of the dream that God himself put into our hearts and trust that God will somehow, some way, bring that dream back to life again. You know, sometimes, and I can speak from experience, God can give you a dream and it was sent from him, but it can become an obsession in your life. So much so that you, you screen out all the other things that he's trying to speak into your life because he gave you a dream. Bless God, everything you do is going to be dedicated to fulfilling that dream. And if you obsess over it, your dream, the one that God gave you, can actually become an obstacle between you and God. And God may say, I want you to kill this dream for now because I've got other things I need you to do. This dream is for another time. We're going to let it die right now. We're going to do some other things. And when the time is right, we're going to bring that dream back to life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Number three, because Abraham passed this test of obedience and was willing to sacrifice his son. God entered into covenant with him and his seed. And in turn, he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son. Amen. The last example I want to share with you is number four. Philip was told by the angel of the Lord to leave Jerusalem and head down the desert road to Gaza. This is an awesome story. We talked about it last week, but I just can't get off of this. This time I want to read the scriptures since they are so instructive concerning this topic of obedience and spiritual guidance in our lives. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. We're not going to read all of the verses, but we'll read selected passages starting at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now skip on down to verse 39. You know the story. He got this Ethiopian eunuch saved. He accepted Christ. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God. And he baptized him. And then we pick it up here at verse 39. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Harpazo is the Greek word. It means he was snatched away by the Spirit. That the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. I guess so. That's a pretty supernatural event. A guy comes out of nowhere, joins himself to your chariot. You're asking the Lord, I don't understand this book of Isaiah. I don't really understand this passage. And a man appears who jumps on your chariot, and he tells you exactly the answer you need to hear. And tells you about Jesus. And gets you born again. Gets you baptized. And then as you come up out of the water, he disappears. Hallelujah, I'd go my way rejoicing too. That's a totally supernatural chain of events. It changed his entire life, amen? But Philip was found at Azotus after he was snatched away by the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, he's found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, if you look at a map, Philip had just preached to the regions of Samaria. 
The entire region came to the Lord because he got promoted from deacon to evangelist. And now he's, he's operating in signs, wonders, and miracles, casting out devils so much so that all the regions of Samaria came to the Lord. They got saved. Then they sent Peter and John, sent for Peter and John, who came down from Jerusalem and got them filled with the Holy Ghost. So on the heels of that, an angel comes to Philip and says, I want you to go down to Jerusalem, pick up the road to Gaza, because I got some things for you to do. Glory to God. He's told to head down the road to Gaza, but he doesn't really know why. He just said, okay, step number one. Sometimes the Lord will give us one step in the plan of God for our lives, and we won't receive the next step until we execute the first one. So he gets on the road to Gaza, and he's on his way down the road to Gaza. And all of a sudden, he comes upon this chariot in the Ethiopian. Now, we don't know how far down the road he was when this happened. It could have been a couple of miles out of Jerusalem. It could have been right before they got into Gaza. We don't know for sure. But somewhere on that road, he encountered this Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot, and it changed his life. And if you study your history, that Ethiopian went back to Candace the queen and took the gospel to the nation of Ethiopia, and they became a Christian nation, and they were a Christian nation right up into the 1930s when they were invaded by the Italians. They were surrounded by Muslim nations, and Ethiopia for centuries was a Christian nation. Because of this one incident. Whoo, glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So notice that Philip didn't receive step two in the plan until he executed step one. He walked down the road to Gaza. Then he saw the chariot and the Holy Spirit said, go join yourself to the chariot. That's step number two. He executed step number two and he set in motion a gospel invasion of the nation of Ethiopia. Amen. He went from leading regions to Christ to leading nations to Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Because he heard and obeyed the voice of the Lord. And then number three, he comes up out of the water. And I'm sure he wasn't expecting to be teleported to Azotus. Now, I did a little math, you know. I got to use my PhD for something, you know. I did a little bit of math, and I found out that Azotus, if he had already made it to Gaza, is 20 miles north up the coast of Israel. But Jerusalem to Gaza is 52 miles. So I did a little trigonometry and figured out, depending on where that happened, it could have been anywhere from 40 miles to 20 miles, that distance that he was teleported. Not that it makes a difference, but, you know, I'm just a math guy. Either way, 20 miles or 40 miles, he was instantaneously teleported by the Spirit of God. He was one place one second. He was another place another second. Okay? And I did the math. A 20-mile journey from Gaza. Let's just assume that this happened in Gaza. 20 miles north. At the average walking speed of a human being, that's three and a half miles an hour. It was a six-hour journey without stops. If you believe, like I do, that it was at least one second... He was there in the water, and then he was at Azotus. You you do the math. He got to Azotus 21,600 times faster than he would have done in his own strength, in his own power. And I didn't do the math for if he was 40 miles away. I guess it would be twice that. Somebody do the math on that. 43,200 times faster than he would have done in his own strength, in his own power. Sometimes when you're following the voice of God, You can get to the point where you'll just be routinely following step one, step two, and all of a sudden, there'll be a divine acceleration in your life. And God will take you further and faster than you could have ever gone on your own. And all of a sudden, you'll be promoted, and great things will start happening. And the Lord will say, 
It was because you were obedient to take those steps that I gave you before. Now I can trust you with something bigger, and I'm going to accelerate you to your divine destiny. Whoo, glory. I felt the anointing on that. Amen. So let's conclude by saying this. Learning to hear and obey the voice of the Lord can help you with your finances, your giving, your job, your business, your profession, your health, your relationships, and a host of other things in your everyday life. It can even save your life. Those moments of obedience in our lives won't always be epic. They won't always be nation-changing and world-changing. But they will always be significant. It always pays to hear and obey. Amen? As you learn to consistently hear and obey the voice of the Lord over a lifetime, each of those moments of obedience will stack up in such a way that you'll be guided closer and closer to the fulfillment of the divine call of God on your life. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message titled, Hear and Obey. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.